Hispanic Vision class. My name is Connor Meserly, and I will be your moderator for this class. This is a school, and it is not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our element and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This class was established as a result of the divine vision and divine revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The North Texas Panoramic Vision class was established in the year 2021. In this class, we use the true, correct, original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us that in 1 Corinthians, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. This means that Elohim is a title that our Creator chose for Himself. Jesus is a name. But it is an erroneous name, a minor investigation on your part in any good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce a sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord of God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, He is inscrutable and incomprehensible. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in His pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize Himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within this pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within itself as Elohim. This is the word or son a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, the same self-same spirit manifested in a physical body and walked the earth plane as the Ashford the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time that he walked the earth? A further understanding of this name and title may be obtained by reading the phrase 
of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes this pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without the distinction of race or nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning, there is no, sorry, I'll reread that. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men, whereby men must be saved, saving the name Yahshua the Messiah. Tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. So today is December 11, 2022. May we now have our prayer by Dr. Deborah Williams. Okay, everybody, may we bow our hearts and mind for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you again today, thanking you for another day, another blessed day, Father, to study your word. Give us direction. Let the speakers speak through you, Father. Let us hear your voice as we, as we can uh, allow ourselves to direct, lead, and become ministers of your will. Give us the understanding, Father, that our minds are renewed. These blessings we ask in your name, Yahshua, the Messiah. Hallelujah. 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 Our song for today will be sung uh, by Dr. Gary Williams. Good afternoon. 
he will be doing no greater love. Can you hear us? Yes. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Sherry. Uh, Sherry, sorry. And Dr. Gary and Dr. Shree would be the phone. So our scripture lesson for today will be John, the 15th chapter, and it's going to be read by Dr. Lucy Altman from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Good morning. Uh, is there a preference for the Holy Name or the King James? Uh, no, there's no preference. Okay. Uh, I will be reading John, the 15th chapter from the Holy Name Bible. Uh, John 15 and 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide, abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my, my disciples. As the Father loveth me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call ye not servants. For the servant knoweth not what his master doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that, whos that whatsoever ye shall ask of the father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hate you, you know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember that the word that I said unto you, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his master. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. 
If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake.
in his teeth. That's good. That's good, Jackie. But I just wanted to bring all that out to say that that root word was right there, fulfill. And he went through all this because he was fulfilling the scriptures. For 1,500 years, there was a group of people, the Israelites, Hebrews, they were always known to do one thing or taught to crucify or to, yeah, to crucify something innocent, to slay a lamb. That's how they got out of uh, Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt for some 430 years. And by the grace of Yahweh, he came down and led them out of this hell, if you can say, you know, all things go according to this threefold pattern that was shown to Moses in the Mount, Mount Sinai in the year 1490. But uh, I don't want to digress. All things go according to threefold, meaning most holy place, holy place, court roundabout. In this case, Egypt is shown in darkness in the court roundabout. It's not, it was not a good place. It was, uh, as I say, the Israelites were treated very poorly. And they cried for a deliverer. And Yahweh heard their cry. And he came down. He came down. Nobody else. He came down and he delivered them. You know, and uh, we go through our own Egypt in life, each and every one of us. You know, it's a personal thing. But we can never get ourselves out of whatever sickness, misery. We can't do that. It takes a higher power, which is Yahweh Elohim and through his son, Yahshua who is truly the, the deliverer uh, for years before Moses had had this stupendous panoramic vision. Mankind did not know the creator's name. For years, he was called El Shaddai, which means almighty provider. He came down and he spoke to a man known as Moses. And the word Moses, his name means to draw. And he was drawn out and he was given a, a great task to do. To uh, lead these people out of this darkness into the wilderness. I mean, he went through the Red Sea. Yahweh parted the Red Sea. Moses didn't. Yahweh led these. And in the estimation, the guesstimation of the people that were there, I've heard at one point, one million, three million all guesstimations, I can't give it exact, but it was a great deal of them. As the scriptures state, a multitude. And they got to the Red Sea. And as they got to the Red Sea, they start to, as, as most people do in their lives, they fell apart. They lost faith. They did not have faith. They would, they thought, oh man, these, these Egyptians are honest. 606 uh, chariots and Pharaoh was on their back and uh, was about to destroy them. And one thing, Moses stood up and told the people, stand still. And, it, and you know, when we're going through trials and tribulations, that is the most difficult thing to do in life, to stand still. But to stand still and see the salvation. And Moses rose up to ride and the Red Sea parted. And they walked through on dry land, you know, walked through on dry land, and they did not get wet. Anybody could pull that scripture up for me. It's difficult for me to see that. Um, Exodus 14 and 13. 
Thank you. Yes, thank you. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of Yahweh, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. Yahweh shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Yeah, that's beautiful. Did it say you fight for you? Did it say uh, somebody else is going to fight for you? It said Yahweh shall fight for you. And what, what do you need to do? You should. That's right. And not just stand still. You shall hold your peace. One thing about this world is full of confrontation. But you can't get confrontation if you are like a lamb. Quiet, still, obedient. But if you're roaring like a like a lion, you're gonna get some confrontation. That's why two things are mentioned quite often in the scriptures: lion and and lamb. They they testify to Yahshua the majority of the time. Sometimes it, it may testify to the other being, which we call Lucifer. Like a, a, a lion, a roaring lion, ready to devour whomever. We don't want to be that. But the only way we cannot be that way is to stand still and listen and be obedient to that small, still voice within you. The scriptures that we read today, it was one word mentioned, a couple of words, but one word particular, comforter. He will be a comforter to you. That just simply the word comforter is to, if somebody could pull up the definition, I, I believe it means to, to give you peace, to give you tranquility. Uh, as a, as a, a, you know, as kids, I mean, we've all been kids at one point. Sometimes people get a stuffed animal, and they love that stuffed animal because it's it's soft and it gives you what comfort. Um. But in this case, we're talking about a spiritual comfort, a comfort that will keep you at peace when the yoke of life is on you. You know, it will, he will remove that yoke and he will give you peace. He will carry your cross. He has been with you from the very beginning and he will be with you at, when you take your last physical breath, he will be the one there when you breathe your spiritual breath. He is the father. The father is Yahweh. The son is the word or son Elohim. And in a physical form, he is Yahshua or he is Yahweh is salvation. That does not change. That is for all eternity, all eternity. Uh, and to continue the story, they stood still, the Red Sea parted. They start going through the Red Sea. And guess who did not give up? Pharaoh and his host was like Satan and his host came after them. But they stood on the shore. Once they all got over, those one or three million people, they stood at the shore. And they saw that Red Sea come down on something that they had feared for years. Pharaoh and his hosts, they had feared them for years. But in one day, Yahweh wiped them out. Yahweh 
took them out of their lives. That part was over with. That evil was done. And guess what they did after all this? They sang a song. They sang a song of joy. They gave praises to the most high. To the most high. They were at peace for a moment. For a moment. But like we know, when in all our lives, we go through our ups and downs, just like a heartbeat. Just like the uh, priest, the high priest went up and down into the tabernacle. You know. But we know we go through some lows in life. But there are some high points. But you have to stay focused. Stay focused on him. Stay focused on Yahshua. Okay, could someone read John 19, 17 through 19? John 19, 17. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew, Golgotha. Now that is just merely saying that we're not dealing with physical things. We're dealing with psychological issues that we go through, or we call it spiritual. Because even in the scriptures, it mentioned love. And love is not tangible. You can't touch love. Love is a spiritual state and condition, just like anger is a spiritual state and condition. It's just a negative of love. Or in this case, Yahweh. There's no greater love. Like the song said, there's no greater love. But guess what else? If you're disobedient, there's no greater anger than to have Yahweh on. You can't get out of that. So just as there's day, there's night. But if you are truly a son, you are what? You are of the day. You are no longer of the night. In our lives, we've been in the night. We were all carnal. We were all dead. One way or the other. Either you went to church every Sunday or you worship yourself. You worship idols. That idol was where? Golgotha, in your head, in your skull. I'm saying the brain, but even it's not the brain, it's the mind, because the mind is spiritual. Yeah, uh, I've heard a tape, Dr. Kenley said, you know, when you lay down at night and you have a dream, he said, you know, you can cover 15 years in your life and five minutes in a dream. He was pointing to spirituality because when you're laying down and sleeping, that's the closest thing to death. But you are still aware. That's why you, we call it dreaming. That spirit, that soul is constantly aware, constantly moving, traveling. But it's just, you know, as I say, this is metaphysical. We're pointing to something much higher than this physical. People get caught up in the physical. They get caught up in everything. This is not where you want to be. You want to be higher than that. You want to keep your eyes on the prize, which is Yahweh Elohim and to his son, Yahshua. That's the prize. And uh, going back to the definition of how, it also means to what degree, extent, or amount. In this case, spiritually, death. John 19.30 and Hebrews 9.26. John 1930. Go ahead. 1930. John 1930. When Yahshua therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Now he said it's finished. Finished what? 
what he was finished with was fulfilling the scriptures. He had did everything. That means don't do any, you know, he removed those cardinal ordinances. Don't be doing water baptisms, circumcision. That's over with. And if you are doing it, you're disobeying his commandment. And if you keep doing it, nine times out of 10, you're going to go straight to, as we call it, the lake, or as the scriptures call it, the lake. You know, death and hell will be cast where? Into the lake, lake of fire. And the thing about it, when the children of Israel saw the Pharaoh and his host cast into that lake, Yahweh also appeared as a cloud, a cloud by fire at night. So the fire is glazing on the water. And that water looked like what? A lake of fire. Hmm. Yeah. So um, also Hebrews 9.26. Hebrews 9.26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world, has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself? What, what that basically is, is he was fulfilling the scriptures and he was like unto, well, he is the high priest. And the high priest of Israel would go into the holiest of holy places once a year. And they would forgive the sins of himself and also of the people. And the trumpets would blow. And they knew after the high priest would see the flash of the Shekinah or Shekinah, he knew he was forgiven and the children of Israel were forgiven and they would sound the trumpets and all the people would hear the trumpets blow and they knew they had been forgiven by the creator. In our own lives, if we're blessed enough by coming to, you know, the teaching and to the truth and, you know, it's not like overnight, you know, sometimes it takes years. Sometimes it may take a week because this is a school and not a church. And we've all gone to a physical school. Sometimes, you know, school, it's set up just like a school. Some students are very bright. Some students are in the middle. Some students are in the back and they just don't get it. But the greatest thing we're all, as I heard this morning, which is a beautiful thing, it's a one house schoolhouse, one room schoolhouse. Everybody's in it, just happy to be in it. So we all learn at different spaces, times, but guess what? It's still one teacher, one voice. And that voice is the comforter. That is Joshua and you. We don't have to um, act like somebody else or act like you're nice. You don't act anything. You are. It's in you. It's in you. That power. Uh, it's another thing that was said in the scripture reading to purge. I looked up the word purge and it, it says to remove by cleansing or purify. And pretty much what he was purifying was that carnal mind, removing it and placing himself within that vessel. Thank you for bringing up the word purge. Thank you. To clear or something unclean or unwanted. To remove or eliminate. That's the word I'm looking for. To rid. 
of something unwanted. Well, something that's what is an enmity to Yahweh, which he does not like at all. He hates is carnality. You know, you, I mean, you want to remove, you want him in you. You don't want him outside of you. You want to be, have him in you. That's, and we want what they call the fruits of the spirit. Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. There is no law because those carnal laws are gone, dead. But now when you're speaking of this, you are on a higher level. It is spiritual. And it says in the scripture, who is the first fruit? That is Yahweh Elohim to his son, Yahshua. Who, who is love? He is love. We say it all the time. What does Yahweh consist of? The nine divine attributes. Guess what? Those attributes are in you. Intelligence, wisdom, knowledge, love, beauty, justice, strength, power, friendship. Those attributes are in you. But they must be illuminated. And when they are illuminated, you start to express the fruits of the spirit. You, you truly have love in you for your fellow brother. You truly have joy. You truly have peace. You can tolerate certain situations that you normally couldn't do. Long suffering. You are gentle. You, you control your tongue because the tongue is what? Is a two-edged sword. Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There is nothing greater because the, all that is testifying to Yahshua, the Messiah. As the song said, there's nothing greater. And with that, I won't go any longer. I had other stuff to say, but I will end it at that and all glory and all honor to Yahweh Elohim and to his son, Yahshua, the Messiah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Lennon, for sharing a beautiful testimony. Our second speaker for today will be Dr. Bernie Villanueva. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, yes, Bernie. Yeah, excellent. <clears throat> well, I enjoyed what came through um, Leonard there, and um, uh, I pray Yahshua, you know, speak through me to the edification of the body. Um, and if you gain anything, it's give all the credit and honor to him. Um, so there's a lot there. Uh, it's, I'm going to do it on my heart.
and institute and the word fulfill are two different meanings. They are completely hmm. opposites. Now, why why is one group saying it's it's uh, where hey he came to institute and the other one came and said he's fulfilling? Well, <clears throat> because there's an adversary, and I'm trying to cut things up because I only have a little bit of time, and I'll try to hopefully convey some thought properly. Um, so let's have Romans uh, 5 and 12, please. Romans 5 and 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's right. So we're looking, um, see, through um, that transgression or <clears throat> that took place in the garden where the law was disobeyed. Well, what was the law? Let's go to the, uh, I know that we, I can't get every scripture. There's Hebrews 9, 26, 1 Corinthians 10 and 11. Those are two really good scriptures. Maybe we should get those. And let's get, have, uh, let's get the chart that shows um, the elementary chart, please. And let's look at um, Adam and Eve up in the garden because Yahshua is fulfilling the first covenant which was a law that was given unto the uh, Hebrews and Hebrews only. There was uh, no Gentiles were or any, and un, no other nation was invited to that other than those Hebrews. Okay. Hebrews 9 and 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in mm -hmm. the end of the world, at the point appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's right. So the sin took place in the garden. It didn't, uh, they didn't start out in sin. They started out uh, holy and innocent. And they were given one law and one law only. Don't touch, don't eat. That's in Revelation, I'm sorry, uh, Genesis, the, the third chapter, second, end of the second, and then three and one and it says um you know they were told don't touch don't eat of the tree uh of knowledge of good and evil for the day you touch you shall surely die and as leonard was saying you know just take a little three letter a little three letter word and it brought down the creation how well satan who is a evil angelic creature cast out from uh, heaven talks to Eve, and he gets, uh, she loses her soul by disobedience because she did, she broke uh, what Yahweh told her not to do, she did it. And it was by, because why? It was that, that evil angelic creature that got, that got to her through the mind. And he said, thou shall not surely die. That was a lie. Mm -hmm. And uh, for in the day that you touch, Yahweh knows that you'll, eh, you know, I'm kind of cutting that. Anyway, he, he accuses Yahweh of uh, having some altar, you know, some other kind of thing going on. And that's why he didn't tell her. But she takes, she eats, and she, you know, dies. And she gives to her, now she becomes carnally minded. Romans 8 and 6, please. Romans 8 and 6. For to be carnally minded is death, 
but to be and spiritually a, minded is life and peace. Right. So I had no idea that you could be uh, walk around and be dead. Your soul is dead. And, you know, the only dead I thought about was being out there in the graveyard six feet under. That's the only kind of dead I only knew. But coming into this class, I heard that scripture, somebody say that, and I'm like, what? For to be carnally minded? Didn't say your heart to stop beating. Said to be carnally minded is death. For to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Keep going there, Lucy. For the carnal mind is enmity against Yahweh, right? Uh, Romans 8 and 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is at enmity, is enmity against Yahweh, for it is not subject to the law of Yahweh, neither indeed can it be. All right. So you see the carnal mind is at enmity or at war with. See, so they lost that heavenly estate, that state of consciousness where you see those fruits up there you talked about in John uh, 17, what was that uh, chapter we read, 15 chapter about every tree that bears not fruit. Well, you got to be in a heavenly state for them to bear forth some fruit. You know, you're going to have to go to Yahshua to get that fruit. He's a husband man, as uh, Dr. James is saying about, you know, he cultivates well. It's interesting that, you know, we see now Adam being a type of Yahshua, see, uh, what's he say? Uh, she, she gives to her husband and he eats. Why? He could have just, why didn't he just say, forget you, girl. <laughs> I don't want to be with you. <laughs> you know, I'm not doing that. You know, you're on your own. No, he so loves her. He loves her. And he dies for her because he loves her, because he's not gonna let her be in that state by herself. So that's a type of Yasha the Messiah. That's um, spoken about in, um, you know, he's, that's the first man, Adam, Yasha is the second man, Adam. And it talks about, I think it's uh, 2 Timothy 2.14 or 3.14 or something. It says, uh, um, they'll be saved in childbearing. Yeah, I can. Second Timothy 2.14 says, of these mm -hmm. things, put them in remembrance, charging them before Yahweh no, no, that they uh, strive no. not. Mm -hmm. uh, this first Timothy uh, 2 and uh, 13. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. For if they continue in love and faith and in holiness with sobriety. Right. right. So, there, so what happens is now <clears throat> Adam has to till from the ground, right? And from the sweat of his face, and um, he has to till. Uh, all mankind's dead, that's blood, water, uh, that blood is likened unto death. The, he's tilling. That's sweat from his face, and you know. And now that's blood, water, and the spirit is where they had to get out of that uh, garden. There, Eve is going to be uh, have to uh, bear forth children and childbearing. And what they're looking for is the Messiah to come out. 
so they'll be saved in childbearing why because one one of these days a woman's going to have a, a child and that child's going to be the savior so they're just waiting and waiting is this the one is this the one and that's not him is this the one and so it doesn't come until the year 4000 and that's when yashin the comes on the scene so <clears throat> Excuse me. And we see that that serpent is going to, he was cursed to eat from the dust of the ground on his belly, going on his belly and eat from the dust of the ground. Now, man is made from the dust of the ground. And that's what this previous, uh, well, I don't know if the previous speaker said it or not. I think he could have, uh, that those satanic spirits have to be cast out of us and it's done through the preaching of the gospel. And if you look, let's have that uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and one please first corinthians 15 and one moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel which i preached unto you you said one you want me to continue mm -hmm. okay moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel which i preached unto you which also ye have received and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have <laughs> believed in vain. That's right. For I so delivered. You remember this. You, Go ahead. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Yahshua died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that okay. he. Mm -hmm. So, oh, excuse me one minute there, Jack, Jack. Um, so he died for our sins. That's a death. And he did it according to the scriptures. What was the scriptures? That was the law and the prophets, as the previous speaker stated. So he you got to go back into those scriptures and see how he died for you in those scriptures. You got to see that death, that burial, that resurrection. Why? Because it's pointing up to him. Go ahead. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. The third day, according to the scriptures. Now, um, so we're going to go back and we, the previous speaker got scriptures saying that Yahshua saying, I've come to fulfill. Let's mm -hmm. uh, have one of those. John 5 and uh, 39, please. And you know, on this, uh, you know, in this First Corinthians 15 chapter, it's also gotten there where it talks about um, the first man Adam was earth earthy, the second man Adam is a life giving spirit. So if you didn't know anything, like I didn't know, nobody ever mentioned that to me about Yahshua was a the second man Adam. But you look back there and you see how that first Adam died for the woman he loved, and Yahshua loves us. Doesn't it say that in John 3, 16, for Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believeth in him shall have eternal life. Shall not perish, but have eternal life. Mm -hmm. But shall not perish, thank you, but have eternal life. Mm -hmm. So, okay, let's have John 5, 39. John 5, 39, ye search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are Oh, they. hold on, let's, let's start at John 5 and 37. Just because we're there. John 5, uh, where does it say? 37. I come in and my the, father's name. Uh, that's further down. That's 43. 
Oh, my fault. <laughs> okay, let's go from 39 to 43. I'm sorry. Ye search the scriptures, for in them ye think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that you might have life. I received not honor from men, but I know you, that you have not the love of Yahweh in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. Now, this is, in, this is in red letter. And you see it in red letter. And what's interesting to note is that this is Yahshua speaking. And he's basically saying, I don't, you know, search the scriptures. For him, you know, you're thinking that, oh, you go to those scriptures, which is the law and the prophets and you're saying oh by me doing something in there i've got eternal life well that's not the case why because they testify of yashua and yashua is saying i've come to fulfill so if you can if you don't believe him you're not going to have eternal life and says um uh and he says there and ye will not come to me that you may might have life i receive not honor of men now he's talking to those scribes and Pharisees, and he's taught, in other words, religious leaders of the time that he's there. So what do you think the religious leaders of the time now are? Better? Hmm. I think hmm. not. <laughs> and it says, I come in my father's name, and ye receive me not. Did that happen? If you yes. come in, a, in his, if uh, another shall come in his own name, Jesus, Buddha, Allah, Whatever you want to say, but you ain't saying Yahshua. And when you say Yahshua, even some people will say, well, we got to still do things under the law. But I thought he said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. life. But they're testifying of me. You're really saying, you're really denying the Messiah when you do those things. You're calling him a liar. And I will not call Yahshua a liar. So, sorry, I get a little... <laughs> so... Uh, let's go search the scriptures. Um, Luke says, beginning at Moses and all the prophecies, uh, founded in the things, yeah, the things in the scriptures concerning himself, right? Mm -hmm. So let's go yes. into uh, Moses and let's have John, uh, Mo Exodus uh, 24, what is it, 9 and 10? Well, let's look at the, um, the Moses chart up. I only have a few minutes and I'm going to try to go through some basic something real quick and you know it's hard to get a whole you know um but i i do want to show that the first people here he's talking about those scriptures the scriptures were made or started with moses he's the ones that's that's why when we read romans 5 and 12 it was talking about the law you know uh, Moses under the law and the sin. And so that's why this whole law was given because of what took place in the garden. So you always got a purpose. Now, uh, uh, Adam wasn't a Hebrew. Now what you're going to say? Oh, well, he's only dealing with certain people. Well, what Adam is now lost. I thought he died for Adam's sin, the sin from Adam. You know, so there's a lot there. There's a lot we have to look at and consider so let's look here um the children of israel are down in the land of egypt uh 
there was a promise given to uh, Abraham that his seed shall go into a land they know not of, be evilly entreated, come out with uh, great substance. That's going into the holy place there. That's court roundabout. She just X'd off there. Come through the Red Sea, you'd be up in the holy place. And that would be uh, where the law is given and everything. And that's uh, saying, um, Oh, you know, I just, my mind just went. So let me, let me get back in gear here. So we see that it's a migration and we see that the law is given here to the Jews and Jews only or Hebrews and Hebrews only. And then after some 40 years, they go uh, to and through the river Jordan into the land flowing of milk and honey. Abraham's given that promise that that's what a seed will do. He also is given well, the promise he's given is that through his seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I think that's either in, um, can't remember, in Genesis, Genesis 7, 15 or 17 chapter. But I don't want that right now. So I'm just trying to get through how his seed went down into Egypt. Uh, they multiplied. And... You know, Joseph went down in there with 70 souls. They multiplied, and it was a good situation. After a while, they became in bondage. And they multiplied to the point where Pharaoh said, you know, I got to get rid of the, some of these ki kids. I'm going to kill the male children, two and under. Well, if Yahshua is fulfilling the scriptures, isn't that something when he's born, they're killing children two and under? Hmm, I wonder why. So... Why? Because uh, Yahshua was fulfilling. That was done back then so that when the Messiah came on the scene, you can identify him. So we see here that uh, Moses is born. He's born, reared up in Pharaoh's daughter's house because his mother puts him in a little ark, sets him in the bulrushes. That's a, so that's a death decree. He's buried in that ark. He's set into that little ark or that little, right? And then Pharaoh's uh, daughter hears the cry. She gets a woman to pick him up. That's a resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. So why is that taking place? Because it's going to point to Yash the Messiah. All those death, burial, resurrections you see all over the place point up to Yashua the Messiah. So that he can go through, so that we're dead and buried, he can resurrect us. So... That's the principle. He overcame death. He went through a death, burial, resurrection. Nothing kept him down. He didn't just do a death, burial, death, burial, death, burial. He did resurrection. And no man was able to do the resurrection except for him. That's why Yash and the Sai says, I am the resurrection. He that cometh to me shall have life. Okay, so children of Israel down there, <clears throat> they multiply. Pharaohs and death. Moses is in Pharaoh's daughter's house for 40 years. He sees a Hebrew smiting an Egyptian. Um, he intercedes, ends up killing the Egyptian. That's a death, buries him in the sand. That's a burial. And then he resurrects out into the wilderness. Death, burial, resurrection. He's out into the wilderness for 48, 40 years. He becomes a shepherd. He's there. Um, after 40 years, he sees a bush burning, but it's not consumed. 
and see this is where Moses gets a vision of a burning bush. How do you know it's a vision? Well, I have never seen a bush on fire that didn't get burned up. So you know he's having a vision. And he's told, he's commissioned, he's given the name of Yahweh. And it didn't say, I am that I am, like Popeye the sailor man. It said, <laughs> he said, uh, you know, Aya Asher, Aya. Mm -hmm. I will be what I will to be. So Yahweh willed to be this entire angelic and physical creation, and bam, it took place. So, because his word will not return unto him void. So he's told, go down to the land of Egypt, tell Pharaoh, let my children go a three-day journey so they may worship me. And what did Pharaoh say? Hey, great. I'm glad to hear that. No. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> He said, no. Now they were, they started out as friends. They, they ended up in bondage. So they, they, by the declaration of the name Yahweh, remember Yahshua said, we just read, I come in my father's name. What's the name of the father? Yahweh. Yahweh. What's his name? Yahshua. Yahweh salva salvation. So anyway, so let's, these children of Israel, they uh there's 10 devastating plagues poured out the, uh we'll go to the 10th plague which is the death of the firstborn um they had to take out a lamb uh male the first year without spot or blemish uh and put that uh kill the lamb that's exodus the 12th chapter put the blood of the lamb they had to kill it in the basin put the blood on the lentil and the two side posts that's four points of blood why they put four point, points of blood on that door Yasha and the size put on that cross like that, you see, and it's and it's what nail in his feet, nail in his left hand and right hand, and a crown of thorns. You have a physical body, and you have um, ascending colon, descending colon, sigmoid colon, transverse colon. You've got four. I didn't say them in order, but. Those are the four colons. When you take in a sacrifice so that you can live, those concentrations of blood come so you can digest. That's something Yahweh made to show and point to what? Yahshua the Messiah. Then you also have um, in the tabernacle, the, you have that tabernacle when they get out into the wilderness, they receive that tabernacle, which is a sanctuary right here. The first one uh, had uh, seven steps. The first one's the gate. The second went away. The altar is sin sacrifice. The third is a brazen laver. The fourth is the first veil. The fifth step is the entire holy place. And the sixth step is the second veil. And the seventh step is the entire most holy place. Those are the seven steps of the tabernacle. The tabernacle's made most holy place, holy place, court roundabout. One, two, three. You have a head cavity, chest cavity, abdominal cavity. And we can correlate all these vessels in this tabernacle to the nine major systems in the physical body. There were 12 tribes of Israel that carried around this tabernacle 
and there is 12 limbs that carry around your tabernacle. You could live without arms and legs, but you can't live without anything in the, in the head, chest, or abdomen. Isn't that something? So you have 12, you have the hand, lower hand, upper, uh, uh, lower arm, upper arm, that's three. Another three on the other side, that's six. You have a lower foot, upper leg, lower leg. That's another three. And three and three is six. So six and six is 12. So you have 12 members that carry this around. Let me have Exodus uh, 24, chap. Um, now, 24.9. And let me have the. Um, hmm? 24th, uh, chapter, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, um, and then yeah, and then go to twenty-five. Uh, but I want to get the um, migration, the migratory chart again, please. Oops. Exodus twenty-four nine. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and they saw the Elohim of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. Also, they saw Elohim and did eat and drink. So they're seeing the Elohim of Israel. Now, one thing I want to show real quick, because I only got it just a few minutes, I think, right? Like four minutes, correct? You got five minutes. Five minutes, okay. So the children of Israel, after taking out that lamb, I want to point this out, that they had to eat the lamb. They couldn't break a bone of that lamb. When Yashem the size on that cross, they didn't break one of his bones. He had expired already. So no bone was broken to fulfill. And the scriptures say that. I mean, when you read in that... And John, I think it's 17, it says they didn't break a bone to fulfill the scriptures. They tell you. That's what Yahshua was going on. And you see there that uh, no bone could be broken in that lamb in Egypt. It was called the Passover. Why? Because they're passing over from a land that believed in all kinds of deities. Let's go down to the museum of, uh, well, there's one in Chicago that has an Egyptian uh, exhibit. There's all kinds of gods. You could just get on the internet and check it out. And Pharaoh himself was a chief god. He didn't want to bow. Yahweh destroyed that kingdom. That, and he's the typical beast man of sin coming through with what? 600 horses, 600 chariots with 600 men. That's a 666. Previous speaker talked about that. So when they leave out of the land of Egypt, after, it's, you know, after they took that lamb, that's when they, Pharaoh was like, I've had enough. Go. And when they get to that Red Sea, yes, they start saying, have you brought us out here to die? See how doubt could come into so fast? And then they had to stand still, see the salvation of Yahweh with that satanic uh, host behind them. They go through on dry ground, 1 Corinthians 10 and 1, please. And they follow a cloud. So that's death of a lamb, burial through the Red Sea, following a cloud which is like spirit or blood, water, spirit, death, burial, resurrection, because they end up on the other side alive. But there's no 
resurrection of the dead. It's called being dead. And they're in a lake. And it was a Red Sea. So it's like a lake of fire. So those children of Israel end up on the alive. And you want to make your Passover alive. Yash and Messiah is our Passover. He gets on, he's on that cross. And he comes in the year 4,000. They left out after 400 years, principle four. The sun was placed in the sky the fourth day, a day for a thousand years for a day. We, I could keep on going on, but you know, I want to get this one principle. He gets on that cross. He's put in Joseph's new tomb. That's a death burial. And then he resurrects the next day. Death, burial, resurrection. That's three days. Moses and the children of Israel, they went a three-day journey to and through the Red Sea. And they resurrected. Jonah was put in the belly of the fish. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. After three days, he's what? That's a death burial for him. And he spit out onto the shore. Death, mm -hmm. burial, resurrection. So you're looking at death, burial, resurrection. Um, and I got up there because then these children of Israel come out. There's three trips of Moses. And there's so much to go over. Um, but I did want to point out that Yahweh did say, make me a sanctuary so I can dwell among you. He didn't say in you. And he used those, those Israelites to set something up so that when Yahshua the Messiah comes, he takes it down or fulfills it. But he, what he's going to do is translate all these things into its reality. And now you can have the Holy Spirit because there was a high priest. Now, Yahshua is your high priest because he didn't just stay dead. He conquered death. Yeah. And so he's now rising in your, he can rise in your heart and mind through the preaching of the gospel. And you could know who your savior is and you will not see another. So I know that it's time for me to get off and I, I think I've gone over a minute or so, but I apologize for that. And uh, all honor and glory goes to Yahshua, the Messiah. Hallelujah. 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 That was a beautiful testimony. By the way, you did not go over, so it's okay. But our third speaker for today, uh, I don't have a third speaker on here, so... Who wants to take the place of the third speaker? Our third speaker for today will be Dr. Dennis Foley of the Oceanside, California branch. All right. You're up, Dennis. Okay. Let me do a sound check. Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. No distortion, I hope. No. no clear. I got to say that I was really edified by both the testimonies of Dr. Hall and Dr. Villanueva. I thought that they did a marvelous job uh, pointing out uh, Yahweh and how he operates his purpose and plan. And what I'd like to do in keeping, I'd like to kind of work a little bit with the scripture reading tonight and maybe hit on a few points that were already expressed. Now, before we get to that uh, 15th chapter, the first verse, I want to bring to uh, I always like to bring to bear to everybody 
Yahweh's purpose and what he's attempting, not attempting, but is going to accomplish with his purpose. Now, we have to remember at all times that Yahweh is in a state that has been referred to as pure spirit. And in that state, he is inscrutable and incomprehensible. And he is infinite. There is no end of Yahweh's knowledge or wisdom or love. There's no measure where it stops. Yahweh is the totality of all love, all knowledge, all intelligence. Now, knowing that uh, that that cannot be expressed uh, and, and brought forth two creatures that he planned on creating, Yahweh elected to bring forth offspring and make himself known to his offspring. But he was going to do this in part. That is to say, to demonstrate those divine attributes through a lesser state of himself. So what he did, because... Uh, we talked about today, it was talked about the crucifixion of Yahshua the Messiah. Now what I want you to know is Dr. Kinley talked about how Yahweh exists in a state that is in a state of ontological perfection is the way he used to describe that. And what he did when he stepped down from that state, that is to say went out of that state of pure spirit and took on a shape and form in, an in, in a superincorporeal body uh, that we call Elohim, that, yeah, that Dr. Kinley described that as a crucifixion. Now, in other words, that Yahweh was willing to sacrifice his great glory and take on a lesser state, which also was glorified, but to a lesser degree, in order to make himself known to his creatures. Now, I want you to go over to Matthew eleven twenty seven to start with. And then we're going to try to go back into our scripture reading. Matthew 11 and 27. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and now, he to whom... Okay, I'm sorry, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Now, what we've got here, ladies and gentlemen, is Yahshua is telling you, basically, that the whole purpose is about the Father knowing the Son and the Son knowing the Father and to whomsoever he shall reveal him to. Now, we know that Yahshua's job when he came in was to reveal the Father or to make the Father known. Uh, John 1.18, please, King James Version. John 1.18. No man have seen God at any time. Now, in King James only, Version, it says no man has seen God at any time. Right? Yeah. Keep reading. The only begotten of the, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now, this is what I want to make clear. That when he says here in John 1.18... When John says, no man has seen God, we know that in the original uh, uh, epistle, he did not use the word God. Now the reason is, back there at the time that they went up to the mountain there, Mount Sinai, Exodus, the 24th chapter, it states that they saw the God of Israel. So Dr. Kinley used to ask us, well now which one is, which one is the truth? 
either no man has seen God or these 74 people that went into the mountain, Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders saw God. So which one is true? Now he had to explain to us that Yahweh took on a visionary shape and form that could be seen in visions. And that in that state of pure spirit, he said, you can't see him. Now the reason for that is, he said, that in order to see Yahweh, you would have to get outside of that cloud, as we call it the cloud, and turn around and look back at him. And you can't do that. You cannot get outside of the cloud for two reasons. Number one, there is no outside of the cloud. Yahweh said, I am Yahweh. That's all there is. There, you know, there's nothing but Yahweh. And that's why we've drawn the cloud around the chart to demonstrate that all things exist within Yahweh. And that's also in Acts, the 17th chapter, that in him we live, move, and have our being. Now, what I want you to understand is this. You can't get outside of him to look back. And if it were possible, hypothetically, for you to get outside, since you are a part of spirit itself, you are created from spirit, you would cease to exist if you uh, somehow were able to separate yourself from spirit. You would no longer exist. You exist inside that cloud. Now, I'm saying that because in the King James Bible where it has God, it correctly should read over there in Exodus 24, 9 and 10 that they saw the Elohim of Israel. Elohim is the term, and we all know this, that is expressing that divine vision that Yahweh or visionary form that Yahweh took on that can be seen in visions. Now in John 1.18, what it correctly should read is no man hath seen Yahweh at any time, or in other words, pure spirit. Now the point here is, uh, back to John 1.18, uh, I want to make this point on, on what we just read there. It said the only begotten Son. Now Yahweh doesn't have two sons. Let me explain to what I'm talking about here. When we have the uh, moderation, we always show the chart, which shows the transmutation from pure spirit to the second uh, form, which is the superincorporeal, and then into the physical form. Now, what I want you to know is we also say that Yahweh is the name of the Father, and Elohim is the Son. Now, what I want you to understand, we don't have Yahweh having Elohim as his son, and then we have another one walking around in the flesh that is a second son. You don't have that. There's only one begotten son. The begotten son, the only son that is Yahweh's, is that which Yahweh took on and formed himself. He formed that body that we call Elohim, or that and, and that superincorporeal soul was a combination of the divine attributes in measure, which means that the measure of those attributes would demonstrate and declare certain principles about the Father in his pure spirit state. Now let me show you how that's witnessed. Uh, oh, make that chart just a little smaller. Now what I want you to see, I want to get to the tabernacle. I want to go, I want you to see the whole tabernacle. Now, right there, that's good, thank you. When the tabernacle was constructed, every aspect of that tabernacle that they followed had a measure. How many cubits to make something, 
you know, even the mixing of the oil and the uh, incense was done by the apart of, uh, the, the uh, uh, art of the apothecary, and there was a measure of each one of those ingredients. There was a measure of, you know, how large the Ark of the Covenant would be, how large the, uh, the uh, altar of incense would be, and so forth. Now, all of this is expressing, as we know, that when Moses went up into that cloud, he saw Elohim transform into that threefold intangible tabernacle, then back into himself to demonstrate that he and the tabernacle were one and the self-same thing. Now, if the tabernacle is supposed to be an a, 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 a visual, physical manifestation of Elohim himself, then we understand that when it had to be constructed, and Yahweh warned Moses in the 24th and 25th chapter of Exodus to, make, to be certain that he make everything according to the pattern that was shown to him in the mount. You could not change a measure whatsoever. Now the reason for it is, is because these things that are uh, put in certain measures will then express a certain part of those divine attributes correctly. Now I'll give you a good example of what I'm just saying. If you go out and you find a recipe for your favorite thing that you want to make, let's say it's a cake that you like, now, in that recipe, it's going to tell you just how much flour to use, just how much sugar to use, how much maybe salt or, uh, you know, uh, uh, in, all the ingredients are going to give you a measure. Now, the reason is each one of those ingredients is going to give you the end result of what they're trying to give you or get you to enjoy about that cake you're making. Now, if you decide, well, I know what all the ingredients are, I'll just go ahead and throw stuff in there. How I, uh, however much I, I want to. Well, if you start doing that, you put the same ingredients in, but they're not measured correctly, it will spoil that cake. That cake will not have the same taste or flavor or enjoyment because it is spoiled because the measures were not correct. Now, what I want you to understand is when Yahweh wanted to demonstrate his divine attributes, he did not put the entirety of all knowledge in that embodiment of Yahweh Elohim. What he did is he expressed that knowledge in a measure. Same thing with intelligence, wisdom, love, all of it has to be put together cohesively in a particular uh, measurement for you to see a nature that is going to be demonstrated by those divine attributes operating through Elohim and then in Yahshua the Messiah. Because Yahshua is nothing more than a body, a physical body down there in the flesh I'm talking about, that Elohim himself stepped into. Now, I'm saying that for this reason. That we only have one begotten son. He said he is the only begotten son. Only has the word one right in the spelling of only. Which means there's only one son. Now let me say what that one son also is. Everything about Yahshua or Yahweh Elohim, they're one and the same, by the way, other than uh, one of them is going to be working in a physical body and the other one in a superincorporeal, but they're one and the same as far as the uh, soul that is in that body. Now, what I want you to know is this, that what we have to recognize is, is that the purpose of the Son is to reveal the Father. You cannot know anything about the Father without the Son. 
Now, Yahweh himself crafted or constructed his own son to be a measure of the divine attribute that would correctly express those attributes to us in this particular purpose that he wants us to learn and understand. Now, what I want you to understand and recognize then is this, that, see, the whole point here is that no man knows the Father but the Son, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nobody, none of us were taught in church how much intelligence and wisdom had to be in the body of Yahshua the Messiah. We weren't taught that. We weren't even taught the essence of Yahweh in that pure spirit state. Nobody knows these things out in the world. It came by way of a divine vision and revelation imparted to our founder. Now the tabernacle is expressed in the book of Acts, the seventh chapter. Let's get Acts 7.44 quick, please. Acts 7 and 44. Mm -hmm. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. Now that tabernacle was a tabernacle of witness, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Paul doesn't say here, oh wait a minute, uh, uh, Stephen didn't say here what it's witnessing to per se, although he is really. But what I want you to know is that tabernacle was a tabernacle of witness. Now, I know you've heard this before. Yash was referred to over in, I believe, the book of Revelation as the faithful and true witness. Now, what he's witnessing to is the Father. Because his job is to make the Father known unto us by virtue of him demonstrating the divine nature, carrying out the divine purpose as Elohim, and then revealing to you something about that purpose and what it's trying to get you to see, and how it works, which is very important as well. And that's what we got from our founder as a result of his divine vision revelation. He opened up the purpose to us so that we could know Yahweh as he actually is and truthfully exists. Now, we also read, go back over again to John 1.18. Verse 18. It says, and I'm going to read it because it's for the sake of time. It says, no man has seen Yahweh at any time. The only, O-N-L-Y means one, the one begotten son. Begotten means he was a direct transmutation of pure spirit into a visionary, organized, measured shape and form. He's the only one. Now in that in that form and in that tabernacle, if you can use the tabernacle to understand the point I'm going to make, he is the only one that is righteous. Because the word righteous has its root in the word to be right or correct. The only one that is right with the Father is Yahshua the Messiah or Yahweh Elohim because Yahweh formed him to be a right representation of him in a state that cannot be comprehended. So what I want you to know, all righteousness is in Yahshua the Messiah. There is no righteousness in any person in the Bible other than Yahshua. Now when we go back and we look down through the Law and the Prophets and we look at the various patriarchs, and things that they did, 
and we understand, for example, where it talks about Abraham believed Yahweh and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now what I want you to know is you have to understand that it was not Abraham's righteousness. It was the Holy Spirit that was in Abraham back then that was demonstrating his own righteousness through Abraham. Now Dr. Kinley talked about in the Garden of Eden because it was brought up about that they're saved in childbearing. Dr. Kinley said that the Holy Spirit has been amongst mankind right from the beginning, from one body to the next, carrying out his purpose. So what I want you to know was Yahweh or Elohim or the Holy Spirit that was in Abel, that it gave him the understanding of which, in other words, caused him to offer the proper sacrifice. It was the Holy Spirit in Noah that caused him to move with fear, to do the things that Yahweh wanted him to do to, for the salvation of him and his family. And it was the Holy Spirit in Abraham that believed Yahweh. It was the Holy Spirit in Joseph that went down into Egypt and suffered many things that he might provide for his family according to the purpose of Yahweh that he understood at that point in terms of his purpose of going down and providing food. That was the spirit in him that caused him not to hold a grudge against his brethren and put them to death for what they did by selling him into Egypt. He forgave them. That was the Holy Spirit that was causing that. It was the Holy Spirit that was in Moses that offered to have his name blotted out of the book of life so that Yahweh would not destroy the people because of their iniquity. It was the Holy Spirit in David that caused David to stand before a nine-foot-high giant that was a champion and, and, and have no fear that Yahweh would deliver him into his hands. And I'm telling you, it's the way it was all the way down through. It wasn't Isaiah that said many uh, things that were uh, wise or, or, or those. It was the Holy Spirit in Isaiah that did the speaking. And Dr. Kinley sometimes would say, now who's, talk, who's speaking here? And people would say Jeremiah, or they would say Isaiah. No, he said that's the Holy Spirit doing the speaking. Now what I want you to see is he's demonstrating himself all the way down from one vessel to the next, setting up his purpose, and not revealing yet and during those, what we call, because there was a point made about you have to know what side of the cross you're on, which I completely concur with. You're absolutely right. In the first three ages, Yahweh never revealed his purpose to either any man or even the angels. It wasn't until the Messiah comes in, fulfills the law and the prophets, and closes out that age and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit then that opens up now the purpose of Yahweh through revelation by the Holy Spirit. That's when the revealing took place. So I want to make that all, that to me this is foundational of trying to follow some of the things I'm about to get into. Go over back to our scripture reading, and also I want to make one last point. Not only was Yahshua the only one that was righteous, that's why when Yahweh gave them the law and they said it shall be our righteousness to observe to do all the things contained in this law, since no one but Yahshua is righteous, Yahweh never purposed for them to obtain righteousness in of themselves. Now the point is, is to magnify Yahshua, not Dennis Volpe. Or not, you know, Bernie, or not, uh, uh, you know, uh, Stanley Hall. 
uh, I've used that because we're the speakers today. It's the magnification is not about us. It's about the Holy Spirit, about Yahshua himself being magnified. And what I want you to see is we're saved in his righteousness. We are going to be clothed in his righteousness and presented to the Father at the end of this age. Now there's none holy also but Yahshua. And I want you to know that all righteousness, all holiness is contained in that embodiment. Now why is that important to, to recognize? Because you know then if you have to be righteous or holy in order to be saved, then that requires you to be in the body of Yahshua. That's where it all, all is. All treasure is hidden in that body. And we have to be put in that body through his saving grace. Now, go back over again to our scripture reading, starting at the first verse. John 15 and 1. I am the true vine, and my husband, excuse me, and my father is the husbandman. All right, now I want to get it, this... Get this point square in here. He said, I'm the true vine and my father is the husband. Now, it was already pointed out today. The husbandman, as in some places it says it's the farmer or the tiller of the soil. In other words, it's the gardener. But let's talk about that tilling of the soil because that's an important point that I want to make here. It wasn't by chance that Yahweh made man from the dust of the earth. And he said, from dust you came, and from dust you shall return. Now, I want you to know, that's all we are, ladies and gentlemen, is dust in the wind, as the song says. Now, we have to understand that all of these uh, things that are planted, that are growing, have to be grown in soil. It has to be put in the dust of the earth. You know when the farmer goes out there, he's got to break up that land, that, that soil, and prepare it to receive the seed. The soil in itself is just laying there, but it needs work. And that's why we have a husbandman. And anybody that's ever done gardening, you know when you go to do a garden, the work involved to plant and then to maintain the garden so the garden is not robbed of its, of its uh, byproducts, which is the fruit, by those you know animals that are like rabbits or whatever will come and eat all your your tomatoes or whatever it is. Now, what I want you to know is Yahshua is talking about how he's a vine. A vine, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is the foundation of other branches that will be connected to it. And Yahweh is the gardener. He's the one that's preparing the soil and keeping the soil, uh, keeping the garden once the things are planted from being overrun and destroyed. And I want you to know that uh, keep reading because I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself now. Keep reading and John there. Second verse. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, even though, he, even though we're going to have to bring forth fruit, and maybe let's say we come into class, we gain some understanding and knowledge. There also is a purging process that has to take place. And a purging is cutting it back. You're cutting it back. And the, I think the word purge has its, uh, there's a, uh, uh, I haven't checked this in a long time. But if I remember correctly, we looked up the etymology of the word purge or prune. Because prune and purge work together. Prune means to be anointed. Now we have to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way that we can bring forth more fruit. 
So every fruit that is in him, he, he purges it that it might bring forth more fruit. Keep reading, please. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Mm -hmm. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except mm. it abide in the vine. Now you no know right now. You know right now. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm interrupting. By the way, I want to you apologize, could. Jackie. Jackie, but I'm, I, I want to make these points before they fly out of my head, so to speak. So, uh, what I want to talk about is this. I want. I want to mention to you that he says here, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. Now, the vine is where all of the life substance of the branch is coming from. All that sap that is being drawn up through that that vine and then filtered or, or, or pushed through the branch so that the branch uses that material, that sap, in order for the fruit to come forth. Now, we have to be in Yahshua in order to continue to grow in our understanding and for us to be able to be uh, acceptable to the Father. There's no like you've learned enough and I'm good now. You know, I've seen people that used to go to class and all of a sudden they don't come anymore and you bump into them. Well, gee, how come you don't come to class? Oh, I've, I think I've learned what I need. I'm good now. Well, you're not good now. And none of us can even, even express, well, how perfect do we have to be in order for us to be acceptable to Yahweh? I don't know about you, but I can see a lot of room for improvement in my own self. And I'm not comfortable with thinking I'm good now. I need more sap. I need Yahshua to do whatever, purge me, do whatever it needs to be, because I want to be acceptable to the Father through Yahshua the Messiah. And so we keep coming to class to learn and learn and learn and grow and grow in our understanding to the point where at the end of this age, and when he harvests us all, so to speak, uh, we will be then uh, presented to the Father at the, at the end of this purpose as the fruits of his labor. Keep reading. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now that's the point that I want to key in on. You can't do nothing of yourself, ladies and gentlemen. You are dependent upon the Holy Spirit to do everything for you that will make you acceptable to Yahweh the Father. And I want you to know this. We say at the end of every class, the doxology, now unto Dennis that can keep you from falling. Uh-uh, uh-uh, now unto him. Unto him, Yahshua the Messiah. He is the one that can keep us from falling. And then he will present us, right? He said, he'll present us, it says, uh, recite for me just quickly the doxology. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now listen, listen. He said he's going to present you faultless. I don't know about you, but I got one or two faults. <laughs> so if I have to be faultless, I recognize I can't do that of myself. You can do nothing without Yahshua. I trust Yahshua to make me faultless at the close of this age. 
And I know that I don't know how to do that. I don't know about you. Maybe you figured out the formula. But for me, I'm putting my money on Yahshua the Messiah to keep chastising me, correcting me, and then causing me to grow and giving me more understanding. And because as that happens, we are getting more and more perfect every day. You follow? That's what we want. We want to move toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Yahshua the Messiah. And that mark and that prize is not receiving the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what do you mean? When Paul said that over there in Philippians, he already had the Holy Spirit. He said, forgetting the things that are behind, I press forward toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Yahshua the Messiah. Now, that high calling is for us to be perfect in him to be perfected. And so we want to have that drive within our souls to continue to be better than what we are because we don't want to take any chance, and there is really no chance about it, but I'm just using that expression, of us coming short. We don't want to come up short like the children of Israel did back there, that they came up short and did not receive their inheritance because that which was preached that was not mixed in them with faith. And because they didn't believe, they were disinherited. I don't want to be there, ladies and gentlemen. I want to be a doorman in the house of Yahweh. I'll be happy to be an open the door for people coming in or whatever, just an expression now, uh, uh, and be in that house and be able to partake of the things that Yahshua will give us in the next age, I don't want to miss out on that. And I don't think you do either. I think we're all uh, in one accord on this whole thing. Now keep reading, please. Six. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Now I want to tell you a story. There was a person in class years ago that worked for the forestry department of the city I lived in. And what they did is their job was to go out and prune trees and sometimes even cut trees down. Okay? Now, he was telling me that when they would go and prune a tree and cut the branches off that needed to be pruned, uh, uh, for whatever reason, maybe the branch was hanging in an electric wire and they had to get rid of it, so it didn't interfere with the electric wire that was up uh, above. He said they would cut those down and put them on the, on the side... Uh, right there on the uh, side of the curb for a truck later to come and pick those up to discard them. Now he said, you know, he said, I would drive by these work sites and sometimes they didn't pick those branches up for several weeks because they were doing it all over the city. He said, and for a time, those branches all remain, remained, the leaves were green and, and they looked alive, in other words. But in time, they weren't getting enough sap so what ended up happening is the leaves started to wither and the branch started to dry out and become dead looking. Mm. Now when people leave this teaching, they think they're doing okay because they know the true names or they know, you know something that was taught to them down here and they think they can still continue to be okay with, as they would think, Yahweh or Yahshua, whatever the case might be. But truthfully, if you are not in Yahshua the Messiah, you will wither and die. You will not be able to survive because the devil, as he increases the pressure on every one of us, and you know he's doing that, he's putting it on all of us. We need every ounce 
of help from Yahshua that we can get a hold of to, to get through this thing and not have the devil wear us out. As it says over in one scripture, that he will make war with the sons and he will wear them out. And I know I talk to people sometimes, we're all going through something in this life, and we say, you know, I'm just tired. Well, we don't want the devil to wear us out, ladies and gentlemen. We need to be strengthened. We need for Yahshua to keep us strong in the faith. And we need to come to class because it, he said, as he said, it, his words have to be abiding within us. Now, you're not, you're not going to hear these words sitting home uh, doing crossword puzzles, ladies and gentlemen. You need to hear the gospel preached constantly. And even if you say, and people say this to me all the time, Dennis, I don't feel very lifted up right now. I don't feel so spiritual. That's okay. Come to class anyway. Because Yahshua can have you walk in that door down in the dumps. And something can be preached that strikes you, resonates in your heart and in your soul, that that quickens you, and all of a sudden you feel the surge of spiritual energy going on because something has opened up to you. Do not, do not second-guess the Holy Spirit or think that you can be so presumptuous to say, well, I'm just going to hear the same thing I heard last week. I want you to know you don't know at each class what Yahshua can open up through a vessel speaking here that can have a major impact in your heart and in your soul and cause you to be lifted up in the spirit. I'm telling you, we've all got to learn to be disciplined. Now, Yahshua had disciples. The word disciple means one who is disciplined. We need discipline in ourselves, and that's coming from within because we're being driven by the Holy Spirit to continue to come to class, to continue to want to know, to continue to fight the fight. And as I worked with the other night, the good fight of faith is what Paul called it. And we're all in that fight together. And we come down here to try to strengthen one another, to encourage one another unto good works. See, and this is what we want to do. We want to stay in the vine. We don't want to be cut off from the vine. And I remember an admonition that was said to me one time years ago that don't grieve the Holy Spirit, because if you do, he just might break you off. And that scared me, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want to be broken off. So I have to slap my own self up a lot of times and tell myself, you know what the right thing is to do, and just do it. Keep reading there, 15, 6, please. 15 and 6 of John. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Yep. Seven. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. Right there is important. Now listen, that's an important thing. We don't want to, we don't want to jump too fast over there. He said, you have to abide in them, and my words have to abide in you. Well, those words are being spoken by inspiration in the speakers that get up at these various classes. We want them to go down and take root in our souls, in our heart, and in our soul so that it has an impact. We don't want it just to be information that we commit to memory. And you think, well, I got this because I know there's no J in Hebrew because you can remember you were taught that. We want something to take a deeper root in us where the words become an understanding of our creator and a revelation that will give us strength to fight the wiles of the devil. Keep reading. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask 
what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Keep reading, please. Herein, herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Mm -hmm, absolutely, as read. The Father, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. Now, I want to say one thing about that. I want to say one thing about that. Dr. Kinley pointed out in John 1, don't get John 1, I'm going to quote it. He said that uh, no man has seen God or Yahweh at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. Now listen, John didn't say which was in the bosom of the Father or will be in the bosom of the Father. He said that Yahshua is in the bosom of the Father. Yahshua abides in Yahweh's love continuously. And Dr. Kinley said this. He said, you don't, you can't see Yahweh in that pure spirit state. He said, now Yahshua is in the bosom of the Father. He sees him and he will reveal him to you. Now, when we have Yahshua revealed to us the Father, and he's right there in the bosom of the Father, and we receive that revelation, you know what that does? That puts us in him in the bosom of the Father along with him. I see the sign. Okay, first bell, five minutes. Yeah, I didn't think I had five minutes. Honestly, I was going to wrap it up here. But anyhow, I may not take the whole time anyway. We'll see. But the point is, the point is that I want you to see that all things that the Father has given unto Yahshua, all those treasures are within him. The secret is for all of us to be in Yahshua the Messiah by being in him. And you can't do nothing to get in there, by the way. Dr. Kinley once said this to me. He said, you have no choice about being a member of the body of Yahshua. He said, you have to be born into that body, and you got no more choice about being born into that body than you did your own physical family. But listen, believe this, that Yahshua didn't bring you, Yahweh didn't bring you down here to this gospel to be introduced to Yahshua to send you to the lake. He brought you down here that you might obtain eternal life. And we all want to lay hold on eternal life. Stay in class. Never lose the love of the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Never let the devil dull that and cause you no longer to value this teaching and this truth that you have. Because Dr. Kinley said this. He said that your soul is the most valuable thing that you possess. Now, if you understand how valuable your soul is, you know when you go out and buy a house, it might be your, your biggest uh, asset, you're going to get insurance to make sure that if, that if a fire comes or something happens, that I won't lose my house. I'll be able to rebuild or whatever the case. Now, I want you to know that Yahshua's given us assurance. Dr. Kinley said, I used to sell insurance, and now I'm selling assurance. And the assurance that he has given us is the evidence and witnesses to the validity of the things that he taught us that we can stand in and use those things to fight off the lies of the mystery of iniquity so we won't be devoured by him. Now, I see, I feel I'm a little over time, so I'm going to end it here. I'm going to say I hope that something I said made sense, resonated in you. I thank the first two speakers for the great testimonies they gave. It inspired me. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to the moderator and say thank you so much for the opportunity today. Peace and love in Yahshua the Messiah.
Hallelujah. 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 May we all stand in our hearts and minds for the reading. Uh -huh. Sorry. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless from the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. But the class say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Recording stopped.